0: Alright, welcome everybody to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. So glad to be with you as we begin another busy week here. And I'll tell you, for the New York Islanders, the off-season is sort of been like hurry up and wait. And fans need to understand that their patience will pay off in some way. I, I still believe that if a move can be made, Lou Lamarello will find a way to get it done. And we'll talk more about this, where the Islanders stand right now with regards to trades, free agency, and and also with arbitration. We'll talk about where the NHL is, as there was a lot more discussion over the weekend about the league's plans for the upcoming season and how they're going to work that out. We will also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, And we'll have a look at Cole Bardrow, one of the few players we haven't discussed yet, and his magic moment with the Islanders in his first NHL season. Also, what his future looks like with this franchise. So lots to discuss right now uh, on today's show. If there's something on your mind that's Islanders-related, a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss Feel free to send us an email, the email address lockedonislanders at gmail.com, and if you leave your name and tell us where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at n y r We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. Alright, so the weekend, a lot of discussions out there about the NHL and what it's trying to do, and I'll tell you, the more you hear about this and the more that they think, you have to believe that there is very little chance that the National Hockey League will be able to play an entire 82-game schedule this season. If the Target start date is January 1st, and if the NHL more or less has to award the Stanley Cup before the Olympics get underway, then the odds of them actually playing that full 82-game schedule, you know, that's a very big time crunch. And the other issue is this, what we don't know about COVID. The weather is getting cooler now. We're into the heart of fall. We're toward the end of October already. Can't believe Halloween is literally less than a week away. The election is, is you know, eight days away now. But at the same time, we are not getting better right now as far as the number of coronavirus cases going around the country even if a vaccine is announced tomorrow, the availability of it is not going to happen right away. You're talking about a situation where the border between the United States and Canada is right now not open. And you look at all the other sports, the Toronto Blue Jays played their home games in Buffalo, because while the NHL was allowed to open up bubbles in Canada, the idea of players traveling to and from the United States and Canada regularly for games creates a problem that the Canadian government is not, at least as of now, willing to be flexible on. So, there's been talk about an all-Canadian division. There has been talk about uh, setting up different bubbles across the league, but not a full bubble-like what the league set up for the playoffs, because you know what? It's one thing to ask the players to give the, the league a month, two months, depending on how deep your team goes into the playoffs and to isolate themselves and be with only their teammates and et cetera, et cetera, but not see their families. But it's another thing to ask them to do that for you know January December for training camp, and then January, February, March, April, May, June, and into the beginning of July, if a team goes on that long playoff run, the players are not going to be willing to do that. You still don't know where fans will be allowed in the stands if they'll be allowed at all, how many would be allowed. Some locations are probably going to be in better shape than others at different times, as we've seen over the course of the pandemic so far, you know, initially, New York and New Jersey were among the hardest hit areas. Then it went down there. Then you had the big surge in Texas, Florida, Georgia, you know, those states. Now, you had a bigger surge the last couple of months in the Dakotas and Iowa and Wisconsin. And it it, it seems to sort of take turns traveling around right now. In other words, there's a lot of uncertainty that the NHL is going to have to address. And here's what Bill Daly, the uh, deputy commissioner, said to The Athletic over the weekend. It's a totally different challenge than the playoffs were, and it requires a whole bunch of different considerations that I think probably, in some respects, are more challenging than any return-to-play plans. You need to gather as much information as you can You need to take as much time as you can, and you need to make the best decisions you can. It's going to be a challenge, but there are options we can pursue, and hopefully, we pick the right ones. Going to be tough. Going to be tough. I think what we'll see is probably something in the realm of a 50 to 60 game season. Probably some temporary realignment of the divisions while, you know. All seven Canadian teams will probably be in one division, and then you have to try to figure out how to work the rest, and, and you'll probably do it more or less geographically, and then maybe hope that you can find uh, one city in each division that will be able to host some games at a given time and maybe rotate those sites. But it's a difficult situation. The players have already agreed to put... You know, defer 10% of their salaries for this season, put another 20% into escrow. So they're already down to 72% of their salaries as written in their contracts. And I guarantee you the league is going to ask for more concessions from the players, especially if there are no fans or reduced fans in the stands for part or all of the season. Lots to be worked out, but I think we're looking at a 50 to 60 game season, because the one thing the NHL does want to do is return to a normal schedule and a complete schedule with fans in the stands as quickly as they possibly can, and we know 2020-2021 will not be a normal schedule, but you you bet your bottom dollar that the league wants 2021-2022 to be a normal schedule, and that's when the Islanders open up at Belmont, and you know that the UBS Arena, Islander fans want that place full and loud and want to experience that first game as soon as it happens. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Islanders' current situation with free agency and arbitration and all of that. We'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day and or look at Cole Bardrow. Lots more to get to on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Folks, you've heard me talk about it before. If you want to try the best tasting protein bar ever, you've got to try a Built Bar. It now comes in 18 amazing flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. And unlike so many other protein bars, they taste great. They have a nice texture. They're easy to chew. Look at these six new flavors. Apple Almond Crisp, Carrot Cake, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Caramel Brownie, and cookies and cream, which is my personal favorite. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. If you're on the keto diet, this fits in perfectly. Let's talk about the coconut almond flavor. 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for ten dollars off at Biltbar.com. So w- many people wondering when the Islanders will start to m- have some activity. And we talked on Friday's show, and you can go back and, and check that out if you haven't had a chance to listen already. That Lou Lamarello is a very patient guy, and he's not gonna you know feel forced to make a move until he actually has to make a move, and I think the date that is going to be a catalyst for the Islanders' next move is probably Ryan Pulak's arbitration hearing. Now, it's scheduled for November 6th, and look, if they get a deal done with Ryan Pulak before then, that may speed the process up. If they get a deal done right before the hearing, that would also, you know, give Lou Lamorello a better idea of what exactly he has to work with financially. And once you get Pulak, you know, signed and and have certainty with his numbers, then you know exactly how much room you have left to negotiate with Matt Barzal. And you got to figure that out later on. But right now, I think that once you get that Pulak deal done, a couple of other things start to fall into place for the Islanders, and we'll see what happens. But you know what? I, I think one thing that is possible, and I did mention this uh, on Friday, the Islanders may go into the season without making that big move to bring in a goal scorer, and maybe you wait until February or March or closer to the trade deadline, let's say that's sometime in April, where uh, you have a better idea as to how many fans are in the stands, what the cap is going to be like in the future. Uh, Injuries are taken into account. Where your team is in the standings is taken into account. Whether or not some of the younger players, whether it's an Oliver Wallstrom or uh, or a Kiefer Bellows, uh, you know, if they come into camp and and get the job done and increase the scoring on this team, if Anders Lee bounces back and has a better season, putting the puck in the net more like he did two years ago than last year, all of these are factors that, again, Lou Lamorello, because this team is built from the goal out, they have depth at defense. They've already shown they can win without that sniper and. We'll see whether or not that November 6th date for the arbitration hearing ends up being a catalyst for the New York Islanders and Lou Morello to get things started. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. This one is a little obscure, but we've got to wish a happy 70th birthday to former Islanders left-wing Walt Lettingham. Lettingham only played a grand total of 15 NHL games in his career. Was originally drafted by the Blackhawks in the fourth round of the 1970 draft, spent two seasons at the University of Minnesota Duluth, and played nine games for the Blackhawks in 1972-73. Came over to the Islanders, played Two games for the Isles in 74-75, and four games for the Isles in 76-77. We're going to go back and look at his best game as an Islander. And, you know, Lettingham is one of those guys who was an all-star at the AHL level, but was not quite good enough to consistently get the job in the NHL where he would stay with his big club. Look, scored 30 goals in only 76 games for the New Haven Nighthawks in 74-75, when they were the Islanders' farm club. Added 29 goals for the Rhode Island Reds, another Islander farm club at that time, in 76-77, had 86 points that year in 73 games. But the Islanders were deep and talented, and he never really found a home. So his big game uh, his only point as an Islander, December 17th, 1974, at the Dome, in St. Louis. Islanders taking on the Blues. Billy Smith in goal for the Islanders. The goalie for the Blues, John Davidson. Islanders getting on the board first. Clark Gillies, his sixth of the year, from Burt Marshall and Craig Cameron at 5'13". one nothing Islanders, that's how it was after one. But in the second period... Well, the Blues got hot. Pierre Plant his eleventh from Chuck Lefley at 2:28. Then future Islander Wayne Merrick got his twelfth unassisted at 4:07. Two to one Blues. Gary Unger, probably the Blues' best player back then, got his seventeenth from Craig Patrick and Barkley Cl- uh, Plager at 5:37. And in a little more than three minutes, the Blues had put up three goals. And took a three-to-one lead. They weren't done. A minute, eleven seconds later, Pierre Plant his twelfth from Bob Plager and Ace Bailey at 6:48. All of a sudden, it's four-to-one. But the Islanders get back into it. Bob Bourne his eighth from our Islanders' birthday of the day. Walt Lettingham at 13:14, and the Islanders were within two. That's how it stood after 40 minutes. Blues four. Islanders, too. Gary Unger gets his second goal of the game from Craig Patrick and Claude LaRose at 427 to make it 5-2, but the Islanders do answer back. Dennis Potvin, his ninth, from Doug Rombaugh and Billy McMillan at 630, and then, less than a minute later, Dennis Potvin, his ninth, uh, excuse me, Billy Harris, his 14th from Rombaugh and Billy McMillan at 719, and all of a sudden, this is a 4 a 5-4 hockey game, but the blues pull it out. Goals by Larry Sacheruk at 8.17. Floyd Thompson at 10.07 with assists to Gary Unger and Bob Gasoff. And then Pierre Plant, his 13th second of the game from Chuck Lefley at 12.09. Unfortunately, the Islanders dropped this game 8-4. Islanders outshot 37-28 in this contest. So 29 saves for Billy Smith in a losing cause. Smith's record after this game, by the way, eight wins, eight losses, and eight ties. But this was the only point scored by the one and only Walt Lettingham in this game. Also had a shot on goal. We wish him a very happy 70th birthday. He is our Islanders birthday of the day. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about Cole Bardrow His season with the Islanders, his future as well, lots to get to still on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so today we take a look at the season that Cole Bardrow had, and you know, Bardrow was a great story, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, Bardrow is going to be an integral part of the Islanders going forward, but look, here's a guy who is now 27 years old. And had not played yet in the National Hockey League, wasn't drafted, spent a lot of time, you know, in the minors, first played four seasons at Cornell University, uh, always a steady performer there, then was signed by the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, which is the Flyers AHL affiliate, and look, his best season, he twice had 30 points. Uh, for Lehigh Valley, 13 goals in 2015 2016 was his high. Ends up signing with the Islanders organization in time for not, uh, last season. Splits time, spends most of the season with the Sound Tigers. 38 games in Bridgeport, two goals, four points, and was a minus 13. Gets called up to the Islanders in October. Stays with the team for nine games at the time. Picks up his first NHL assist in the Islanders' win over Philadelphia on October 27th. All of this, by the way, part of the Islanders' 17-game point streak. So, you know, Bardrow comes in, gets the job done, and the Islanders are still winning consistently. Finally, the big moment comes on November 5th of 2019, Cole Bardrow up against the Ottawa Senators, goes in on a breakaway, and is pulled down, ends up with a penalty shot, scores his first NHL goal on the penalty shot, it ends up being the game winner for the New York Islanders, and that was just a a heartwarming moment, and the way his teammates reacted was also extremely encouraging. I mean, look, here was a guy who paid his dues and then some. Four seasons of college hockey. And then four and a half seasons, really, of minor league hockey. Finally gets his big chance and gets his first NHL goal on a penalty shot. Turns out to be the game-winning goal in a game that continued the Islanders' point streak. And that was just a great thing to watch for Cole Bardrow. And I I think that overall, you know, while Bardrow is probably going to again be in Bridgeport this year, he is probably going to have a similar role in that, you know, if injuries strike, especially on the bottom six forwards, he will probably get called up. They know they can rely on him to at least give them – some competent minutes, uh, seven, eight, ten, whatever, you know, minutes in a game that he can provide, and then move on from there. Uh, After the first nine games, Bardrow got sent back down, played one other game for the Islanders that was on uh, February 13th, so about a month before everything shut down, when the Islanders were in Nashville, Bardrow was up and played in that game. Never had more than two shots on goal in a game. His best game, physically a five-hit game against the Lightning in just seven minutes and 58 seconds worth of ice time. Blocked a shot and, uh, you know, was pretty average, I would say, overall in the face-off circle. So I think going forward, Bardrow is again going to be that role player who fills in when necessary, Uh, but spends most of the season in the AHL. But you know he's reliable. You know what you're getting. He'll work hard. He'll be physical. He'll play well in his own zone. And Cole Bardrow is the kind of guy, his teammates like him, and he can fit in to the Barry Trotz system very, very well. And that makes him an asset for the Islanders organization. And then, in addition, when you look at things in the AHL, He can be a leader, a veteran leader, on that uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers team, and they definitely can use all the leadership they can get. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the uh, news concerning the New York Islanders, and we'll continue looking at the last few players we haven't talked about just yet, including some of the biggest names on this Islanders roster. We have a new show every Monday through Friday. We drop it a little after midnight, 1225 a.m. Please subscribe to the show. That way it'll be in your podcatcher of choice as soon as it drops. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. That helps other Islander fans find the show. It helps us grow the Locked On Islanders family. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great day. And of course, let's go Islanders.